Hey, he's Jake, and I'm Matt. And welcome to Pat's Chat, the UK's best New England Patriots podcast. Hey guys, how's it going? And welcome to another episode of Pat's Chat. There are two special guests on this one. The, you will probably see one in the title if you've read this before you've actually hit play. Um, so it's a spoiler, not spoiler, I suppose, that Jonas Gray will be on later in the show. But first, um, I wanted to get someone on a different voice other than myself for a change. I was just explaining to my my guest before we started recording that, you know, Jake is, he is still around. He's just very, very busy with what he's doing at the moment. Um, so it's a long time listener. He's written for Touchdown NFL. He's got his own um, blog about film and books that you might want to have a look at. It's Jamie Garwood. How's it going, Jamie? Evening, Matt. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good. Thanks. Well, thanks for coming on. It's uh, much appreciated. It's I reached out to you a while ago asking if you'd maybe come on because I'm looking at potentially doing more of these sort of listener episode type things. And um, yeah, with Jake being out of the picture, I thought, as I say, you don't want to listen to me all the time. And it's good when I've got guests on and this week we've got two. So um, here you are. Happy to help. Happy to help. And talk about some Patriots football. Yeah, it's always good to talk Patriots, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it wasn't so much maybe this year, was it? It felt it felt a bit of a slog sometimes, but you know, it's, we yeah. can't have it. Yeah. Can't have your cake and eat it, so, as they say, can you? There were some bright spots. There were some bright spots, and I think there's some in the, the brief things that have happened recently in the last few days. There's some hope and expectation, definitely for next season. Albeit in a very competitive division now, after having been so dominant in so long, all of a sudden it looks like, oh, maybe a playoff place will be enough. Yeah, well, I honestly think, and I've had guests on over the weeks, as people will know, and I think we're all kind of thinking the same thing, that the 7 and 9 is probably, hopefully, the the lowest ebb that we can get to um, under Bill Belichick and especially it might change in years to come but for now i think seven and nine is probably the worst hopefully yeah yeah i remember when the, all the news happened and it was like okay brady's gone yeah okay what's the worst that could happen with stidham and if we had stidham and a capable receiver so i thought eight and eight that'd be fine take that chop your hand off and it could have been a 500 season and then uh just some games went down to the wire, one possession games, and the ball doesn't go your way. It, and it didn't. And But seven and nine, I suppose, considering you had a, a quarterback who couldn't throw half the time, mm. you know, and got the record we deserved, I think. Yeah, as you say, some one possession games um, uh, against the likes of Seattle and the Bills that mm-hmm. could have easily turned our, our season into a nine and seven, ten and six yeah. sort of thing. I projected 10 and 6 at the start of the season, not really knowing what Cam was potentially going to be like and 
mm-hmm. you really hoped it was going to be an MVP cam and not the cam we got, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I still had the Bills winning the division, but and yeah. uh, in my pre- as I say in my preview that I wrote for NFL Scotland, I had them finishing ten and six and second in the division. Um, ultimately, we wouldn't get very far in the playoffs, but we didn't, ultimately, we didn't get very far in the season at all. <laughs> um, but so we we've started talking about quarterback. So let's lead into that one to begin with. Then, are you looking forward to Cam coming back, or where can you see them going in in this off season? I think this is the weird conundrum. Cam is a, ultimately a conundrum in himself. Anyway, so just despise charisma and all that. I think if they decide to have Cam there, then you know it's going to be a run-heavy offense with less requirements of a wide receiving core. And so they have to decide: is that the way to go, or can you? You know, it's got to be a pass-heavy offense, as the rest of the league is. You know. You know, you've got Josh Allen, who was able to throw 300 yards a game, but have be effective on the ground. And then, um, but it's just a matter of who's available as well. You know, there's so many names touted out there. Garoppolo coming back, Mariota, James Winston, all these really good names that could be available. But can you get Cam again cheap to help with the rest of the squad and, and additions, etc.? Um I just would like to see a little bit more of a commitment. Be bold. Go out and get the person you want, firstly. Mm-hmm. Be it Jimmy. Be it Mariota. Whoever. You know, you're not going to get Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's not going to be traded in vision. Not at all. That's not going to happen. You know, brainstorm. Get Ryan Fitzpatrick for you. He'd, at least he'd be able to throw, throw bombs for 300 yards or something. But no, I'd rather they be bold and brave and decide what they want to be because... I think a lot of the time last season there was a real identity problem mm-hmm. because could Cam run and then you know he couldn't be able to throw but yet he could still throw out numbers like he did against Seattle like against Houston high numbers and volume but oh it's Cam Cam's going to run and then etc so I just felt they just need to be a bit more connected up yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you that whether they go down the the trade route of uh, getting in a, a veteran or they go down the rookie, you know, th- through the drafts, they've got to commit to something. And I think to be able to get the receivers that they're looking for, then one way or another, mm. they, they have to have this sort of, I mean, the they surely will, but I would assume that they'll have to have this sort of plan of right. Mm-hmm. The, either they're doing it in the next few days when the league season starts, or mm-hmm. they're uh, as in getting a veteran in, or they're going to like you know go down the draft route. But the receivers, because we all hope and really want them to bring in some sort of receivers that can actually catch the ball. Um, mm-hmm they've got to have a plan but the thing with the draft for me is that it can be so uncertain as lots of people have talked about you know you're getting you've more than likely got to trade up but Mm -hmm. trading up how far and what are you giving up to get Mm -hmm. to that spot of i mean you've listened to the episode with pat from a couple weeks ago um that you know the top four 
QBs in this draft could be gone by five, fourth, six. fifth, sixth seven, yeah. pick. Um, then you get to Lions at seven, which is the one mm-hmm. that is sort of your you'd probably Definitely be eyeballing. Um, if you've if you trade up to that point, obviously you'll know by then whether the QB is mm. still on the board that you want, but if they mm. do, then how, what are they giving up? But that's all yeah. ifs, buts and maybes. And if you're looking to try and attract like a Kenny Galladay, yeah. um, then, you know, for him coming to the Patriots, he's got to know who's throwing the ball to him, surely. Indeed, that's absolutely. And uh, I think because that's kind of as well what happened when Edelman was out injured, Camp didn't really have anybody to throw to. And as you mentioned before we went in the air, with the news about Nicky Harvey being put on a trading block, you know, that first round pick two years ago, now gone because he hasn't fulfilled his potential. And you were going back to how our history of drafting wide receivers has been very poor, for want of a better word. We're more of a type to draft fourth round or somebody like get somebody. Uh, versatile, like Edelman, Amendola, and drop, get these people, build them up. And uh, the fact that Harry's going to be moving on, uh, would just, I think as well, the fact that we're 15th in draft just puts us in that really nice position to maybe get somebody fall down low, like a Jalen Waddle, who could, is dynamic, fast, pacey, he's a game changer because if he's got rocket boosters for his legs or do we go down do we get cement our defense which is um going to be better this year even though it was good last year the defense will be certainly improved because of all these returning people who opted out don't see how far and all that but yeah it's i think we put in a good position but you're right we, you know if Goliday's there and that's another thing we never want to be bold and just get that big name. You haven't been since Randy Moss, which probably there is like, right, we're going to get Randy Moss for Tom Brady. So yeah. Tom Brady has this huge weapon. And in our division, we have the Buffalo Bills who made that big step because they got Stephen Diggs. Yeah. They went and said, all right, we've got Cable, we've got Beasley, Knox, John Brown, or if it's John Brown, they went, we need somebody else. Let's go get Stephen Diggs. And it pushed them over the top, got into the... Um, playoffs a really good record and made them the dangerous team that they are so we have to do the same thing every team needs that person needs that weapon and be it Golladay um, or um, Alan Robinson who's probably one of the most underweight receivers out there um, judging by his numbers last year when he had Trubisky or Foles running to him yeah um, it shows you what he could be capable of I mean he's He's just been tagged, so I don't know how... Um, Was it? I missed that. Yeah. yeah. He, he, uh, unfortunately, Alan Robinson has been tagged, so I think oh, that probably okay. rules him out, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah. there are still a lot, a lot of capable receivers out there, whether it's Curtis Samuel, John Brown is now a f- yeah. free to speak to other yeah, organisations, yeah. I think. Um, Emmanuel Sanders just got he's released. Just, he's Thanks. just been released yeah. today, yeah. No, I mean, no. I think they want to go younger, I would imagine. So oh, I don't, I don't no. think Sanders would. But, but I wouldn't, I, you wouldn't say no if on a, no. a veteran, what is it, 800 grand deal or whatever it is, yeah. for a one-year veteran yeah. deal to, you know, have him around to coach up the other receivers that we have. Yeah. Like, you know, you wouldn't say no to that. And then... No. Sort of leading into that, 
with the receivers as well and the quarterback um, is then you look at the tight ends. Um, mm. Sanders has just been in a, a, a team with Jared Cook. Jared Cook is mm-hmm. obviously now a free agent and one that I'd be looking at along with the likes of Johnny Smith and I think Hunter Henry, we all agree exactly. that he's probably the marquee one, but you know, sticking 15 million a year on him for a tight end, I don't think is Bill's forte and I don't think they're yeah. going to go and put that money on him either. So, um, no, so someone else will pick him up inevitably, whether he might even go back to the Chargers. He's not ruled out going back there, but he wants to, yeah. you know, tread the water and see what's That's out the there. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, again, Again, that's the position we have to upgrade on from last year because it was null and void. There was nobody there. But again, that whole receiving call was just non-existent. So hence you had Cam trying to do everything at once. And then, um, yeah, if you could get Hunter Henry or Johnny Smith, who's very strange. that the tit- I don't know what's going on with the Titans. It just seems like they are... they've let their butler's gone. They've released Butler as well. And it's like, hmm, I don't really know what they're doing. Another one I would like to get off the Titans who's just been released as well is uh, Kenny Vaccaro. Mm. Oh, wow. God, yeah. With, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think yeah. it was something like seven million I, I saw was saving them in cap room with that. And I don't know exact figures. Well, we're, I'm, I'm going to reach out to our resident Pat's cap and um, yeah. see, see what the crack is and with that and see what kind of figures we'd be looking at for him. But, you know, there there's going to be so many in all positions mm. by the looks of it because Definitely. of this cap number that's now come out at $182.5 yeah. million. Dollars. Um, it's come yeah, down. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the billionaire owners are going to walk away sweet because of the revenue they'll get in extra yeah. through the you know, when fans are back properly in the turnstiles yeah. in, in the near future and all the concessions yeah. of hot dogs and beers and everything that comes with that as well, you know, they're going to be mm-hmm. rolling in it, but it's all right. We'll take a mm-hmm. 17 million cut on the players' salaries. That'll be all right. So I heard, like, um, because of that number um, going down, that a lot of players will just try and get a one-year win-now deal this year, which puts us in a difficult position because... We're now the third team in our division uh, because, you know, in records behind Miami and Buffalo, it's like, are we that attractive destination? And we don't have the quarterback. We don't have Brady there to say, look, oh, look, Tom Brady, you know him? He's, mm. he's going to be throwing the ball to you. We're not that attractive destination anymore that we once were. So it's a shame that that's why I thought if we go get the quarterback first, where you might say, you have Jimmy G or you have a James Winston or someone capable at that position rather than an ailing shoulder cap. It just help us be attractive in the market, in this free market, and just try and get those people to come. Because yeah. there'll still be a bird of checks there and it's still a winning, it's still the, still the Patriots. So. Yeah, and uh, another name that's been thrown out there recently is Alex Smith. Um, who's obviously mm. just been released by mm. the Washington football team. Um, yeah. He's another one. I was listening to Bob Sosie and Ted Johnson um, yesterday from their show, and that's on a Sunday morning on Sports Hub. And um, they both of them really like Alex Smith. Um, I wouldn't say no to that either. He's probably one of the better um, quarterbacks that's left. 
take away the C.J. Bethards of the world and and the like. There's only a list of, I saw about eight, I think, that are quality um, veteran free agents that are um, there. Or then you look at like a Jimmy G or Mario, if you're trading Mm. for, but Mm. um, they'll need you something. And I'm really, we all, we're all hoping that it's not a typical bill sort of off season that, you know, he takes a, a guard with a 15th pick or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I just think um, if it gets the, the sense, obviously, because Brady went and did the amazing thing he did in Tampa Bay and won the Super Bowl without Belichick and everything and put that to best, to, put that to bed, that discussion. Um, he, um, I feel like you're going to get a reaction from Belichick. Belichick wants to make sure we get to the playoffs. So I think he'll focus on his defence. The defence that was very capable last year will be better this year. But I just get the sense, like, with Van Noy being released, Butler being released, it's like, oh, we're going to get the band back together? Yeah, let's get the band back together. <laughs> let's get the band back together. Let's go ride that train and, like, have the... So when we went to the Super Bowl last one and we were like shutting out teams every other week at the start of that season and then um, hopefully just have that same defence just um, yeah just lying rush shut and then just maybe have an offence that doesn't have to do as much doesn't have to be chasing scoring 30 points a, uh, 30 points a game to try and be uh, try and get the win yeah, I know. So, so if we're swinging it back to quarterback, and if I had to pin you down and you know pick one, mm. who would you, who would you be looking for ideally? I I think it's more than likely going to probably be Jimmy G, because I think that suits the 49ers as well. I think that suits the 49ers as well to try and um, get. He try and get Jimmy G in a, in a position where he'll be better because I don't think I think he sat out the end of the 49ers season where he then didn't make didn't enamor himself to Lynch and Shanahan in that respect. So I think Shanahan would prefer to have somebody who can instigate the play calling for himself better. Jimmy G can come back to the Patriots. You have a quarterback who doesn't have to learn a playbook that much. He's got it down pat. He'll be able to be capable. Um, or Mariota, who I think shows glimpses and has the dynam- dynam- dynamism <laughs> or versatility, <laughs> similar to Cam in the fact that he's got the legs and he can run. And I think he had that one good game for the Oakland when Carr was out end of last season, which I meant promise. But one of those two for me, Smith, brilliant, great story last year. But I think I heard... Smith might be going to Chicago because of Nagy. There's their connection there with Kansas City. And uh, Nagy, would put, I think Nagy definitely wants somebody there he can rely upon to do that job there. Yeah, <laughs> but, well, uh, I, yeah. yeah. Jimmy G or maybe over for me. Okay. Um, I'm still, I don't know if it's what it is. There's just something that's putting me off the Jimmy G connection. Um, he's obviously been in the in the system for a couple of years before he was traded and mm. but then he's had that injury he's not looked the same mm. since that injury um yeah. and it's similar 
it's similar with not the same because that's different positions, but I'm sort of on the same thought process with uh, Kenny Galladay as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not so high in him as a lot of other people seem to be because he was, I know it was just last year and he, I think the season before last, he had a, a good year. Um, but it just, it's the same with soccer or our football. You know, if you get one major injury, then there's just things that creep in all the time. You know, if it was a hamstring on the left leg, you still start getting stuff on the right leg or the the back starts to go because you, it's all like linked into trying to protect that initial injury, especially if it kept you out for six, seven, eight, ten weeks or whatever it is. I just... And that's evidence by Cam because of his shoulder. That's yeah. just evidence like, you know, you know, these skill set positions, the privileged positions, skill sets, quarterbacks, they're so um, spooked or by any injury. They, they want that protection. They want that blind spot to be covered. I don't want to be taking any more hits, please. Mm. And so Cam's shoulder went to went to shot and he's just now like, well, I can't really throw. I'm not going to throw if I don't have to. Mm. You know? And same in Russell Wilson doesn't want to get hit anymore. <laughs> you know, he doesn't, <laughs> which is fine because he is, I think he's got privileged positions, doesn't, you know, don't want to get hit. Okay, fine. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So you have those players who want to protect themselves and their livelihood as well as their bodies. So. Mm, yeah. I just, uh, I don't know where, apart from actually, if you're trying to recruit receivers mm. and tight ends in free mm. agency mm. and having a plan of, right, this is who we want to go with. Whether it's you know whether it is Mac Jones or whether it's right, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to trade up. Come with us, mm. and we guarantee that this is our plan. Mm. Uh, if that doesn't work, mm. this is going to be the person that's thrown to you. Is that good enough for you? And they go, all right, okay, yeah, that's fine. We'll take <laughs> it. So we'll sign on. But otherwise, I just can't see them. Well, again. No, you make a good point. You make a good point because you've got to go through these free agents, and if you say to them, right. We don't know who's going to be throwing to you. How are you going to convince them? You know, they need to have mm. an answer. That's why, going back to what I said earlier, we'd prefer if we just nicked it in the butt and said to Cam, cheers, thanks, no thanks. Because at the moment, it seems like we're starting with Cam. And it's, well, you're only going to get probably 75% out of your offense if you have Cam. We need, now, because we're the third team in the division, we need the 100 we need to be beating Buffalo and Miami instead of being made examples of as we were last season by them. Yeah, exactly. So if we take it away from actually who's going to be throwing the ball and who's going to be catching the ball mm. and look at the actual line itself, mm. um, good news and bad news over the last yeah. week or so with that one was we've obviously done a deal to get Trent Brown back, yeah. which will be great. But at the same time, as sadly we all expect it to happen, is Joe Tooney's going out in the free agent world and is probably going to rake in a fortune because he's mm-hmm. been one of the most consistent and yeah. on the line for the last for you know since he's been in the in the league and he deserves a payday. Hopefully it happens the same as Van Noy, the same as Collins, the same um as others that you could reel off um that have gone, got a payday and come back again because I'd love to see him back. But you know if we look at that are you 
pretty confident whoever is standing behind them is going to be protected well enough with getting well, Brown back. Yeah. And yeah, that's one of the positives going into the season. It's like, and I think you look back at some of the games. Cam did have a quite a lot of time to throw in the pocket. He just didn't have anyone open to throw. Mm. So perhaps me being very um, derogatory of Cam's play to throw to. Hence why Harry's now on the trade block. Um, but he was quite clean a lot of the time in the pocket. He had ample opportunity and time to do what he wanted to do. So, and I think he got win. He got Trent Brown, who had really good time at Raiders. He really had some good numbers. And um, the other guys who were there, uh, Cannon and Andrews, are, you know, but they can all change. They can all go across the line and give him loads of protection. And should be told in our division, it's not so much, um, there's not much pass rush. I don't remember the Bills really ever having much of a pass rush. It was their secondary or their linebackers at the play. And it was, um, yeah, I think whoever has it, that's then that could be a selling point to who get the quarterback. Say, look, you're going to be clean. You don't have time to throw the ball. Come here. You'll, you know, get, go. Okay. In that sense, let's go get Russell Wilson. Tell him he'll be clean. He can stand there. As long as he wants, like a statue, and he can find whoever he wants. But yeah, that, I think that, that could be a selling point coming forwards as well. And more than happy with that, those acquisitions, especially Trent Brown. Yeah, definitely. To have him back is amazing. And um, again, I've, I'll come back to it, but with a different player this time, it's Isaiah Wynn and his injury history. Mm. It just It's just such a hard-hitting league. Um, whichever position you play in, that once you start getting these injuries, um, you need yeah. to have a solid second, third, fourth option. But mm-hmm. obviously, Trent Brown comes in as a first option, and mm-hmm. probably goes to the opposite side from when. And you know, it's it's looking pretty good from that point of view for whoever right. does uh, stand behind yeah. him. I remember when we was drafted, and it was like the actual, like. Um, the sad news it felt like when he got injured in his rookie year. And it's yeah. like, oh, oh God, just for once, I thought we'd had the guy. I thought he was there, he's going to be there forever. And then, but he's come back, he's making strides, and I think he'll learn. And I think he'll be helped by not having the onus on him and having Trent Brown there to do to do the majority of the work, perhaps. It'll just be helpful to him in his uh, career. Yeah, definitely. Um, it'll be an interesting next few days as we see which yeah. how the the that. pennies drop, how the chips fall, whatever way you want to yeah. analogy and phrase and terminology you want to use. So before next yeah. week and the league start, season starts, it'll be really interesting. Obviously, it's only what uh, two months and a bit-ish away from the draft, which is apparently going to be in Cleveland. That was just something I read before. Um, Okay. Yeah, Mm. I think it was Ben Volan from the Globe has um, tweeted out something from the press release that um, they've stated the city of uh, Cleveland. So they must be doing some sort of live element this year, whereas obviously last year it was all virtual and coming from the commission's basement and everything sort of thing. So... It might actually be, uh, it might actually be something to stay up for. We don't just see Nike the dog. It's always, it's always an exciting the first night with those drafts, just seeing where players land and who goes where, and yeah, you know, especially 
that there were the talk last week of Zach Wilson going up now too, and Chris Sims drinking drinking something, thinking. Uh, <laughs> he, um, but I think, well, it looks more like the Jets will go with Wilson, and Lawrence is going to uh, Jacksonville. It's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, but like yeah. I said, that like uh, Pat's pulpit guy said, it was yeah, there, there could be four quarterbacks gone before Detroit pick at seven, and. I think this year they're all overreaching, but I don't really think there's a need to. But mm. it just seems to be the hype machine kicking for gear already. Yeah, exactly. But And thanks very much for coming on, Jamie. But before I let you go, um, just a couple of questions for yourself. Is, um, yes, you're very welcome. A couple of things just before I let you go. Is How did you get into the Patriots? Where did that come from? Well, the story goes that um, my dad was watching... Um, NFL when it was on Channel 4 back in the mid 80s and um, he started watching it when we lost to the very good Chicago Bears team in 86 and the fridge and all of that because he remembers the fridge to this day he remembers the size of the fridge and just like god the size of that guy and he you know my dad has loves live sport and he had the dream of going to that Super Bowl in New Orleans in 86 but he couldn't because uh take my mum but couldn't because mum I was four at the time but um we couldn't because mum was pregnant with my younger brother so uh he was born in March two months after so couldn't make any excuse to go <laughs> or not but so he just kind of passed that down and we go holiday in um Disney in Florida in early 90s and so just watch NFL in October then and um so we were surrounded by Miami fans but they'd be like oh no watch your Patriots and then um, it was when Sky Sports would have it after the Super Sunday football on the Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Then you'd watch the NFL straight after, and I'd be yep. in my element because if you like, watch the early game, six o'clock, three hours, just watch it. And then uh, then the Patriots, yeah, pretty much kicked into gear. And yeah, since Finitier, we kicked the field goal at Super Bowl. And we beat the Rams, greatest show on turf, just stuck with them. And I've been very, very fortunate to watch us win all these Super Bowls and all the coverage and all the uh, adulation and the success they've had. In my lifetime, the Patriots have won more Super Bowls than my football team, which is Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> I think they've won six Super Bowls and my team, Tottenham, have won five trophies. So <laughs> uh, We won't compare the uh, trophy no. cabinets because you know who I support. <laughs> I heard, I heard what you said, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you've got far many more league trophies than me. <laughs> it's, it's funny because uh, I'm in some respects not surprised that um, I ended up a United fan, but in other ways I could have ended up a, a Spurs fan because there is a big Aberdeen-Spurs connection, um, yeah. mainly between the, the casuals more than anything for whatever reason. Um, something went on in the 80s that... Um, you know, they they got linked up together for for whatever reason it was, and yeah. um, even to this day, if you ever get a chance, normally in that corner of the away end at the Emirates, you'll see the Aberdeen Tottenham flag mm. over that mm-hmm. sort of whatever they call it, you know, when the fire exit type things in the corner okay. beside the flag. Yeah. You, that's normally where they get seats for whatever or where oh, the flag goes. Okay. But cool. yeah, it's generally there. Um, and a, a friend of mine. The as well. Just at the Emirates. Did you mean Tottenham's favourite? 
No, the actual uh, at the Emirates um, is where I've seen it because they always seem to get their way tickets for whatever reason. But yeah, you, uh, I don't know. Hmm. If, I've not found where they are now in the new White Hart Lane, the old White Hart Lane. I think they used to be in the, I can't even remember the name of the stand. But, um, but yeah, I've been, I've been to White Hart Lane, the old one myself. So yeah. I was I was chuffed yeah. I got to go. Yeah, I was down for yeah. a, a weekend with, and me and my brother-in-law went to Spurs and City. And we were mm-hmm. in the stand where the away fans are in that corner. Yeah. Um, I was in the opposite corner next to, okay. they do that sing-song thing back and forth between the two sides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was sitting. So I managed to get to Old White Hart Lane before it got bulldozed, yeah. thankfully. Yeah. Uh, it was a cool stadium, and I'm hoping the, I'll get to an NFL game at the new one. And the only thing was, okay. and yeah. I knew before it even occurred, um, was the getting in and getting out of, um, you know, besides Seven Sisters or whatever route you want to take to get in to White Hart Lane is yeah, it's not, it's not the best of stadiums to get to. It's not. No, the sure. trek down the road is horrendous, especially <laughs> after I gave him. But it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but when you get to the new stadium, mate, you'll be blown away. Honestly, it's one of the best. Just, just like the privilege of going to go see that stadium every time when I've been. It's just in awe, and everyone who's been to the NFL games at the new stadium have said it's the best atmosphere. That it's better than Wembley, which. I can attest to because when I went to see some games at Wembley, it got a bit flat very quickly. Mm. Whereas the um, the Sonic, the atmosphere is so well. Yeah, of that stand, but it's similar yeah. to the Dortmund South stand, isn't it? it? Yeah, yeah. They keep the noise in, so any wars and all that keeps it in. And whereas in Wembley, it seems to spiral out at the top. Here, it keeps on top of the players, so the players feed off that, and therefore you've got better games. And both games were really, really competitive. At the stadium, apart from the Bayern Munich one, <laughs> <laughs> which was a which was an NFL score, we we got safety. Yeah. We got safety. Yeah, but last thing, Jamie, is just uh, if anyone wants to follow you online and check out your blog and things, where can they do that? Oh yeah, thanks again, Matt, for having me on. And uh, yeah, um, I've got uh, tweet is uh, at Jamie Gold, but my blog is uh, next to the Isle blogspot.com and I have a Twitter feed for that as well which is at next to the aisle and yeah like you said at the top I've written writing for Touchdown NFL which is a really good website and they've got a huge range of draft coverage coming up and ahead the draft Ollie Hodgkinson with some really good writers like that on there and go really into fifth sixth seventh rounds of gems that many teams will find um, and we're, we're doing some good work over there and we hope to push the numbers out for that as well and yeah i hope you can have a look on that and will we have a new new and old listeners can help join us definitely i'll uh, push out any links and tweets to that and i'll i'll include it in the description as well when this pod goes out probably tomorrow or friday i would think and uh, once again thanks again for coming on we'll speak soon uh, cheers matt thank you You might have seen in the title of the podcast that I'm joined by a very, very special guest, the first ever former player of the New England Patriots to grace the Pats Chat studio. Not only a former player, but also a Super Bowl winner nonetheless. A man of notoriety that led to him gracing the cover of Sports Illustrated, it's Jonas Grace Sr. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Maddie. Thank you for having me. 
You're very welcome. And I, I see all your patriots and Go Irish memorabilia behind you there. Yes, sir. I always uh, got to rep my squads, man. Yeah, for sure. Good, good. And uh, as I just introduced there, you are Jonas Grace Senior. So I'm guessing that means you have a junior as well, do you? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Uh, Jonas Gray Jr. is my four-year-old. I have three babies, man, five, four, and two. Five, four, and two. Wow. You must have zero time, like no time at all to yourself. Absolutely none. (laughs) (laughs) As long as you get time on a Sunday to watch football. Exactly, exactly. You know who gets it bad, though? The wives get it the worst, man. So yeah, they they don't get any breaks, but I, I try to sprinkle it in there when I can. Yeah, no, that's true. That's, uh, um, you know, down to us to kind of do the bulk of the work in terms of money and things. I mean, in today's society, it's, it's flipped quite a lot as well, to be fair. But um, yeah, in my case, and I'm guessing yours, we we take in uh, the money and keep the roofs on our head and such like. 100%. Yep. Definitely. And so uh, uh, life after football as well, you're obviously not playing anymore. Was it hard to adjust at first? Because over here, you know, soccer players, there's the the association that deals with soccer players and there's quite a big thing because of when the training stops and the banter in the locker room's not there and that kind of thing anymore. Was Is that something that happens through the NFLPA or have you just got to kind of get on with it yourself? Yeah, the NFL, the NFLPA actually over the last, um, you know, with the last collective bargaining agreement that ended actually in 2020, that like 10 year bargaining agreement, there was a ton of money and support for former players, you know, legends, guys that were transitioning, guys that played um, years and years ago that didn't have the same medical benefits, things like that. So there's a ton of help with, through the NFL. Um, the only problem is, you know, sometimes advertising it to the players. Hmm. Not a lot of people know about it. Um, so, you know, they got to do different things to, um, you know, make sure that people know about it. So they just try to do different social media campaigns, things like that. Um, but that's the work. That's the one part about all the help they have is getting the two people. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I always forget the name of the documentary on ESPN, but I think is it money or money ball or something. And it, Shows the NFL yeah, players. Broke, broke actually. Yeah, that's the one. And it shows just how much they, some of them in um, spend during the off season or during the season, then asking for um, advances and then the end of their career, they're broke sort of thing. It's it's So it's good to say, you know, good to see that the NFLPA and maybe other organizations as well help you guys along the way and adjust to, to life after football as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, and there's a lot of combinations to that. You know, that that broke documentary was, you know, it was eye opening for a lot of people to see it, you know, just regular everyday people. But for athletes, it's so much more than just like black and white like that. You know, mm. for, for, for myself, for instance, you know, I, I played, you know, four or five years, won a Super Bowl, um, but never was in a position where I made a ton of money every year. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, you know, you get a lot of players who, you know, the, the situations they come from back home. Um, where, you know, they do things like help, you know, in my instance, I helped my mom through college and help pay off some of her loans and help my brother through college. And so, you know, there's things like that that happen that you make an investment in the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes, you know, you, you may lose some funds doing that. Um, so that's a lot of, a big part of it is you have to take care of families a lot of times, man. So that's the one part that. Definitely. Family, family's number one overall, isn't it? 
Yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. And I just said about your um, Patriots and uh, Notre Dame things behind you there, but you didn't grow up around the area. Um, who was your team growing up? You know, growing up, well, I actually, where I'm from originally uh, is Detroit, Michigan, right outside of Detroit, Michigan, um, in Pontiac, where the Lions actually used to play. So they used to play in the Pontiac Silverdome, um, which, uh, so I grew up, you know, actually like, you know, four or five miles from the stadium. So okay. I grew up loving the Lions and loving Barry Sanders, um, you know, as a running back. He was a guy I emulated and, and loved to watch. Um, so I was a big Lions fan. Okay, and, and, and a little bit of, of the Steelers. I was a little bit of a Steelers fan too. As well, <laughs> if, uh, it's just when you you said that there, just something's clicked in my head that I'm pretty sure one of the WrestleManias or the Royal Rumble or something was at the Pontiac Dome, wasn't it? Yes, yes. They used to do a ton of the WrestleManias there and uh, the monster truck races and all that stuff. Yep. Ah, nice. So uh, you've. Um, you mentioned who you, you emulated, Barry Sanders. Was it always a running back that sort of drew you in and that's what you wanted to play if you ever got to the NFL? Yeah, you know what? I, yeah, I think I always wanted to play running back because my older brother, he was two years older than me. And when he first started playing football um, at age eight, when he first started playing, I wasn't old enough to play yet. I was playing soccer, um, but he actually, he was a running back. And so ever since then, I always wanted to play running back, um, you know, but actually my first year coming out to play football, I actually was an offensive lineman. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Cause I was always bigger than most of the kids, you know, growing up. And so they wanted to stick me off the line right away. But then when they realized the speed I had, then they, then they put me in at running back. So <laughs> that would have been so funny to see, but I guess in, if when you're that age, then it's completely different. And then when you hit teenage years and your early twenties, you, you know, size is all over the place compared to when you was an eight, nine year old, isn't it? Definitely. So if we look at your college career, first of all, um, you were a four-star recruit heading into college and we've mentioned it a couple of times already. You went to Notre Dame. Was you a good student overall? And, um, you know, was it just, was it the football aspect that drew you to Notre Dame or what was it that made you choose that college in particular? Yeah. So, you know, here in the States, um, you know, especially a lot of the athletes, you know, the, the big, you know, um, the, the bigger five-star, four-star recruits, they like to look for universities that will help them, you know, be prepared after football. Um, okay. So Notre Dame, in terms of big football, big level, deep Division One level football, mm -hmm. and high level academics, um, there's no school that rivals with us. Maybe Stanford, maybe Duke, um, those universities. But you know, as far as big Division One level football and you know high level academics, Notre Dame was you know set apart from the rest. Um, and I always, you know, my mom instilled that in me early um, of the importance of education. Um, so I went to a private school in high school. Um, and so I, you know, I was always, you know, serious about my education. So Notre Dame, you know, that was pretty much one of the main reasons why I wanted to go there. Cause I knew, you know, life after football that they would set me up, um, you know, with just a good academic career. Yeah. And uh, I guess some, it's really good that you had that sort of mindset. Cause I guess some, some kids going into college, they're so focused on football or basketball or whatever their sport may be that they've got a scholarship through that they kind of forget about the, the afterlife. And, you know, it's notorious that the, 
the average NFL career is about three and a half years, give or take. And so, you know, it's not a long time. By the time you're finishing up, you're what, maybe in your mid-20s with another 50 years, perhaps? Maybe of that. A lot of times guys are 23, 24 years old. And- yeah, exactly. And then you've got, what, potentially 40, 50 years of work ahead of you. So, uh, you know, you, it's great that you had that mindset. And I think it's a, a good thing. And I'm guessing you instill that in your kids as well, don't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, they they know the importance of just, you know, giving your best effort in anything you do. I stress that in my kids and, you know, just keeping a positive attitude about things. So, um, yes, man, definitely. The, the importance of that education aspect and, you know, just keeping a good head about yourself. Yeah, it's something we've been, we're trying to instill in my daughter. My daughter's um, just three at the start of the year and you know, my wife, as we were mentioning about the wives take the bulk of the load, she's particularly good that, you know, it's not all, especially she, as being a girl, she, it's not all about looks and aesthetics and things, you know, we try and instill in her, she's she's smart, but she's pretty inside and out and all that sort of thing. And um, mm-hmm. we've we found out already, we're having a boy with my, my second uh, child. So um, yes. I don't know. Yeah, well, I've I've broached that subject, <laughs> and it's well, not going down very well. It's not. So I'm not sure if it's such a thing over here in, in uh, yeah. the UK in comparison to America. The, it, you see quite a lot of um, sportsmen and things, and they've you know they're the senior or they're the junior because their dad is the senior or whatever it may be. But no, I've I've broached various names. Um, I don't know if Jonas has come up yet in the conversation, so I could bring that one to her. Yes, yes. That's a good but one. There's um, definitely some of them that um, she just like, no, no, it's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> Although I think Brady might be one that, or, or Braden or thereabouts is, you know, one that she's toying with the idea. Know. So, you know, I might get a little Patriots thing in there somewhere along the line. <laughs> Middle name Rock or something. You can... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if we fast forward uh, past your um, college career and then look into your football career and obviously about the talking about the Patriots as well. But first of all, you were picked up by Miami coming out of the draft. You had a, such a bad injury as you finished your college career. Did you think, you know, that was it? It was games up or did you always have a strong mindset that you were going to make it regardless once you came back and were fully fit again? Yeah, I always had a strong mindset that I was going to, you know, um, go out and play again. Um, you know, I, I knew all the advancements in medicine and all that stuff and recovery. Um, I just knew as long as I get an opportunity, I was going to, you know, opportunity to recover and an opportunity to play, that I was going to make my mark. Um, so I never, you know, never it wavered at all on my dream of playing the NFL. Um, and it was actually funny the day that that happened on, I actually injured my knee in college on senior day, my last game at Notre Dame, and it was actually against Boston College. And, um, you know, I tore my ACL, MCL, LCL, you know, blew up my knee. And I went back home later in the evening and a few of my buddies, um, they weren't even on the team. um, They ran into a, a sign and it said, no left turns. And so they brought that sign over to my house. And I remember like it was yesterday that they had that sign that said no left turn. They were like, no matter what, you're going to the NFL. So it was a big support system with it too, but um, it was a mindset as well. That's amazing that your your friends were there because I guess some people aren't so fortunate um, to have, they might have some family, but you know, friends can come and go like the, the, the weather sometimes, but it's great that they were there to support you. 
um, as well. And so if we look at the into the Patriots, because it's obviously a Patriots podcast, but there's a lot of talk recently over, I guess, um, the last 12 months or so. Is it what is the Patriot way? Is it Brady? Is it Belichick? Oh, it must be Brady because you know he's gone on to another team and now won a Super Bowl of his own. But you've been in the building, you've been there day to day. What is it like? What is the Patriot way in your in your opinion? You know, in my opinion, it's funny. This there has been a lot of talk around. You know, is it Belichick or is it Brady? Um, and I know I, I like to look at it as, you know, Belichick created the environment for Tom Brady, you know, give guys the you know opportunity to play regardless of where you were drafted, if you were drafted or not, if you were brought off the street, if you came from another team, you always have an opportunity. Um, but I think, you know, the Patriot way, it's more of a, a full approach to how you organize the team. Okay, so it's the off-season program. So it has to do with, you know, that's why a lot of the Patriots off-season programs, year after year, there's 100% participation because the off-season program is second to none in the league. Um, then you go into training camp. The major part about training camp is what some one thing that Bill Belichick started um, was practicing against other teams. Um, and that was one of the things, Bill, and that's part of the Patriot way. I'm going to put you in competitive situations against other teams and training camp in the grind of training camp and see how you produce. That's part of the Patriot way. And then you move into the season and that's the old, you know, do your job, you know, on to the next week. That's keeping that mindset that, you know, you're just all about the continual growth that you go through throughout the season. It's tinkering the roster. It's, you know, getting new players. It's bringing guys up from practice squad. It's, you know, constantly challenging your team in the roster in the weight room and on the field, um, you know, that's the Patriot way. Um, you know, I think, you know, all those competitive environments and all those competitive situations, you know, no team was hurt more by COVID than the Patriots mm -hmm. with, without a doubt, because of that Patriot way, because they didn't have an off season because most of it was reactive versus proactive. Bill, Bill is used to being proactive and, you know, uh, going out there. I remember, you know, my first week with the Patriots, um, actually, it wasn't my first week. It was Darrell Revis's first week with the Patriots. And we were all, uh, you know, practicing in the offseason. You know, we had, he had just gotten there. And they were already working out free agents, free agent linebackers, free agent running backs. And we were like, and I remember Darrell Revis was like, they're already working guys out. And it's like, he <laughs> came from other teams. He had came from other places. That's the Patriot way, constantly trying to better the team. So Bill didn't even have any of that this year. Mm -hmm. He couldn't bring any guys in, you know, to, to practice them and to see them one-on-one. A lot of guys were sending in videos of how they were playing, you know, how they were practicing and how they are you know, preparing for, you know, uh, for the season. You had to send in a video. Um, and I don't know if you heard, you know, Gronk. Gronk story, yeah. yeah. You see what I'm saying? Gronk, you know, having to change his, <laughs> just changing the shirt and <laughs> doing it all in one day. You know what I mean? So. You know, he didn't have that chance to get an eye and see people and, um, you know, use his skills as an evaluator. Um, so I think those are the major parts. Like, that's what I'm like. A lot of people are giving Bill Flag, but it's like he didn't even have an offseason. That's what he's good at. That's the one thing that is like putting together a roster, putting guys in competitive situations and seeing who's going to make or break. Mm. You know, that's the Patriot way. Yeah, to me, that makes complete sense. Um, I think anyway and so if we look at 
you know, you went into the, the indie game, you score four touchdowns, you rush for over 200 yards, you end, end up on a cover of Sports Illustrated. What was that like? Was it, did it feel difficult to keep grounded in that sort of, at that time? Or what, you know, how did you feel? You know, and I actually felt it, I actually felt, um, you know, vindicated a little bit. You know what I mean? It was kind of yeah. like, this is what I've been telling people I could do for the longest. Um, you know, even when I was on the Baltimore Ravens practice squad, I, I remember saying to myself, like, you know, practicing every day against the number one defense, you know, against one of the better defenses in the NFL. And I remember those guys on the defense coming up to me like, man, you gave us a better look than Adrian Peterson this week. You gave <laughs> us a better look. And, I'm, and I remember saying to myself in the way that I prepared for games and the way that I, you know, prepared my mind and body, I knew as soon as I got an opportunity that I could do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was 100% ready for it and I felt vindicated when it happened. And I always kept a humble spirit about myself. That's just, that's who I am in my personality. So I was never, you know, um, you know, felt like, okay, I, I made it or I was above the world. It was kind of like, you know, I belong here. And so, you know, I'm, you know, 10 toes down, putting my feet in the ground and now you're going to know I'm here. So that's yeah. pretty much what I'm Yeah, no, totally. Um, I could tell even just the short conversation, I could totally imagine that's, you know, 100% legit and not just some sort of terminology that's being used by yourself. No, to that, um, I'm, and I'm glad to hear that because, you know, I'm sure there's other um, players that, would have wouldn't have been like that they would have just been you know head exploded and all that sort of thing kind of idea but you know if you don't mind talk to me through what actually happened afterwards if you know people can go on youtube and read reports and whatever but you're the man you it happened to you what what happened afterwards yeah and um i'm actually getting ready to write a book um and i've already been you know started writing so you know a portion of this is going to be in the book of course um you know, basically what happened is, you know, short and sweet is, uh, you know, I end up oversleeping the day before, uh, you know, oversleeping the morning of practice. I end up, you know, getting ready to go into the office late. I had already heard from a few of Bill's assistants. Um, they were kind of like, you know, where are you? What's the situation? What's going on? As I was heading in, um, that's when uh, Belichick basically told me to stay home. He had got through one of his assistants, told me to stay home. So, you know, the, the rumors always, oh, he missed practice. No, I didn't miss practice. I came late to a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a, a lot of players in the NFL do. Um, and obviously, it's a mistake. I'm not saying that it it's supposed to happen just because a lot of players do it. Um, but it was one of those um, mistakes. I, You know, I, I didn't live very close to the stadium. You know what I mean? Like a lot mm-hmm. of players do. Um, and, and um, you know, just being a – a new player on the team, you know, I was new to the NFL in, in that aspect in terms of playing. Um, so, you know, I was trying to, if, if you know anything about the Boston area, it's expensive to live over here. So I was living out in a place that was a little bit less expensive because I wasn't making a ton of money. And I was also trying to save money. So I wasn't really close to the stadium. Had I been closer, I probably would have made it on time. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my point with that. Um, but no, so that happened, and then at, so at the end of the day, uh, Bill wanted me to come by um, and speak with him in the evening. So you know, it was a lot of things going on with me personally, and you know, I was I was really ready to let Bill know what was going on with me, 
So I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to have a chance to sit down with Bill and, you know, for us to have a heart to heart um, and hopefully get to a place now where it's like he understands me a little bit better. Um, but when I got there, it was a short conversation and he was actually on um, a treadmill. So when I went up and started talking to him and I was ready to, you know, pull my heart out, let him know all the things that was going on with me and how I felt about what happened. But he was just on the treadmill, just riding the treadmill, reading the, reading the uh, book. And he was just like, man, we can't have that. Um, you know, I've had guys that have been on the team for 15 years that haven't been late to a practice. And he was talking about Tom, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, he was just like, you know, hey, we're going to, uh, you know, we're thinking about, you know, sitting you out the first half of the next game, possibly the, the game. Uh, you know, you just can't have it. And that was it. That was the end of it. Um, you know, went on and, you know, we had a, you know, good relationship after that, but there was a lot of things in between that season that caused rifts between Bill and I, um, and, you know, one of them, and, and this is also going to be a part of the book is Bill actually told the nutritionist and the strength coach that how good, how, how, how miserable we can make things for Jonas is how good the team's going to be. So he was really big on tough love. Okay. Like he was one of those, I'm going to, like, if I can just get this guy not to do anything outside of football and focus on football, he could be a great player. I think that is what his main point was um, because he had been on other players like that in the past. I mean, I was talking to guys and they were like, Steven really kind of got it the same way. But they were like, never to this extent. And they were like, really, that's a compliment from Bill because he would never go out of his way. That's how they were trying to frame it to me at the time. Okay. <laughs> he would never go out of his way to, you know, to seek out a player that way if he didn't think it could be great. Hmm. So it was constant things, man. Like, for example, when we were playing, we played Green Bay. <clears throat> After playing Green Bay, we go out, um, we're on a West Coast road trip at that point. We go out to play in San Diego. Right. So normal. Uh, and I know I got to I got to leave her soon, but you're good. You're good. Um, normal. Normal NFL week. Sunday, you play Monday, you watch film, you have a little light practice, light workout Tuesday, player day, players day off. Right. Mm-hmm. We came on the West Coast trip. We got to San Diego. Sunday, we played Green Bay. Bill decided to give us Monday off. Right. So Monday and Tuesday were off. All we had to do was come in and practice on Wednesday. So we're in San Diego. We have a few days off. Grant gets the idea. Let's go to a Clippers game in L.A. Okay. I'm like, that's awesome. Let's do it. Let's go to a Clippers game. I get a few of my boys. Grant get, you know, Shane Vereen, a couple of his boys. All of us. We hop in the car. We head to L.A., Right. We got it all planned out where we're going to stay at, all that stuff. I mean, we're grown men. We are just going to L.A. to watch the Clippers play and stay in the night, coming back the next day, right? So we go to the Clippers game, and we sit in our seats, and, you know, everyone's watching us and everything. And I see – I lock eyes with Steve Ballmer, the owner of the Clippers. And I wave at him because he went to my high school. So we had met each other a few times through – our high school things, you know what I mean? You know, so I had already had a relationship with him. So I waved him down. We started, I went down and started talking to him. He said, hey guys, come back to the locker room. 
So we go back into the locker room, and this is the time when, if you know anything about basketball, I don't know how much your viewers know about basketball. At the time, they had Chris Paul, Blake Griffin. You know, the Clippers were one of the best teams at this time. And so we go back to the locker room. I'm talking to Chris Paul, and I take a picture with them and everything. And then we, ta- then we take a picture with Justin Bieber. So I don't know if you remember that at the time, this was the whole Bieber curse. So people were really upset about yeah, yeah, I remember this. taking a picture with a Bieber. Yeah. And so I did, I took a picture of Chris Paul and I posted and I said, Chris Paul picked us to win the Super Bowl. Right? Beep, beep, beep. I get a call. It's Bill's assistant. Why are you saying anything about the Super Bowl? We just lost a game. And it's like, I'm saying Chris Paul picked us to win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that I am things like that. Those were the constant. And so then after that, Bill's like, um, or Bill's assistant's like, well, um, Bill wants to put you on curfew for the rest of the week. Okay. <laughs> That's... Now, 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 mind you, I'm in my third year in the league. There's practice squad players that are not even on curfew. Mind you, I just told you what the NFL schedule is like. Monday off, <laughs> Tuesday off. What are you talking about? If I was at home, I I would have been able to go out with no problems. What are we talking about right now? So it was things like that that I think in today's environment, it, it's hurt the Patriots. Mm. That's why you got a guy like Matthew Stafford. It's those rumors about things like that. You know, obviously people didn't, you know, that's not a normal story from Belichick. That's not something he did all the time. But people hear rumblings about, is it a player-friendly environment? Mm-hmm. And you point to things like that and, you know, other various things. And that's the question of today's Patriot way. Hmm. You know, it is, you know, that's the reason why, you know, Stafford said, hey, you know, I want to go anywhere but New England. You know, that's, um, you know, and I think part of that is the reason why, if you saw this year at all, if you paid attention to Belichick, you know, obviously he was a little bit vulnerable with the way the season went. Um but he heard the footsteps and the echoes a little bit more than he had any time in his career. Yeah. Um, he talked about, you know, how they went for it all. And, you know, they, they um, you know, they sold out for it basically is what he said. Like we sold out to win the championship. You would have never heard Belichick say anything like that. He's usually the we're on to the next week, mm-hmm. you know? So he heard those rumblings. And I think that, you know, also watching him, um, you know, interact with Cam Newton, Cause I think that was the big thing was, um, you know, yes, with Cam Newton fit in the system, but it was more so is Bill and Cam Newton going to fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the more, that was the big thing. And I think Bill was very, very conscious of that for the rest of the league for, because Cam Newton in terms of how his relationship with the rest of the players across the league, if you mess up your relationship they already we already hearing that you messed up your relationship with your buddy for 20 years. That's just a rumor, right? Yeah. That's what we're hearing. So now you're gonna mess up your relationship with a guy like Cam Newton who has relationships with guys all throughout the NFL. So I know he was very he was very, very conscious of that. And so I think that's why he was so complimentary of Cam and you know un- unwavering in his support of him. Um, cause I'd never seen Bill do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
at any time, you know, be unraving your support for a player like that. Even talking about, you know, his preparation. He never really goes into detail like that about an individual player. So, um, you know, I think that he, he definitely, I mean, and given everything that's going on today anyway, you know, with, you know, uh, you know, social justice issues, things like that. Um, you know, he's very, he was very conscious of, um, you know, his, his standing as finally the singular face of an organization. This is the first time he's the singular face of an organization. Um, so I think he was conscious of that. Yeah, no, it makes sense because he's, um, you know, came out numerous times in, in support of Cam and even where, like you saw the little dances and things that the clips would end up on the internet and oh look, you know, Cam's having fun at, at practice, you know, it must be an all right place to be. And But we've mm-hmm. seen before that after a game, Gronk was like, no, no, we can't like celebrate we're just we get the touchdown we run back to to the sideline sort of thing you know it's that sort of contradiction isn't it that you're speaking about 100 percent, 100 percent. and i think that's you know i think you know i think obviously bill's understanding that but i think now too is you know the fact that you know he's finally got to be aggressive in free agency mm-hmm. you know what i mean so i know he is you know i think this may be honestly i think he knows it too you know this is the most consequential season of his coaching career um, because I think this will add to the narrative or get rid of the narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, is it going to add to the narrative of, is it Tom or is it Bill, or is it going to just get rid of that altogether when he puts out a good roster? And I, and I think he will. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that they're better than seven and nine. You know what I mean? So if he can coach a team to seven and nine with, with that roster, um, and obviously how hurt they were with COVID and, you know, the, the situation at quarterback and all that. And, you know, the talent on the roster itself, if he can coach that team to seven and nine, he, he can get them to 10, 11 wins. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Cause it was such a tough schedule this, uh, this season as well that, you know, they're not going to have that same tough schedule again. And hopefully if you, you know, as you're saying, he probably has to be aggressive in free agency this year. He has to be aggressive, but potentially in the draft as well, whether we might actually see him stay at his pick and pick at 15 or move up, depending if that's what he wants to do for getting a quarterback for the future. But, you know, the the usual, <laughs> there's a running joke in the UK with Patriots fans that you don't stay up on Thursday night because what's the point? Because he, he trades back. So, you know, you're not, you're not staying up until 3 a.m. for the 31st pick to be like, Oh no, he's just got traded back to tomorrow. Oh well, what was the point in staying up? <laughs> you know, right, right. Yeah. but I think that's gonna that's gonna change this year definitely. But um, thanks for sharing um, that stories with, with myself, Jonas, and the listeners when they get to listen to this. And um, I'm conscious of the time, so I'm gonna let you go. But just before um, I let you go, can you tell everyone where to get you on Twitter and on the internet and and all that sort of jazz as well? Yes, uh, on my Twitter, I am Jay Gray. Um, ND underscore 25. Um, so that is my Twitter handle. Um, I have, haven't had my Instagram in forever. I've been trying to get in. I'm locked out of it. Um, <laughs> so I've had a problem getting there. Um, but it's the young, the young bull, Jay Gray. So if you ever uh, want to get me on Instagram and then my LinkedIn is just Jonas Gray. If you ever want to catch me on LinkedIn, um, you know, part, um, you know, outside of this, I, I run an insurance agency, um, a firm from day to day. Um, but I also, 
um, run an athlete concierge business as well. So um, I'm constantly, constantly grinding and doing things. And then, you know, my hope really is to be a media superstar. Um, I want my media career to be better than my football career. So um, um, hopefully, you know, look out for me there too, guys. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Well, thanks again for uh, taking the time out this afternoon and I'll uh, let you get going and we'll maybe catch up again soon when the book comes out. Okay, appreciate that. Thank you, Matty. And that was your former New England Patriot and, of course, Super Bowl winner, Jonas Gray. Many, many thanks to Jonas for taking the time out to speak to me and sharing those stories. I'm sure you all think it was very interesting hearing what you had to say there. And many thanks to my first guest of the podcast this week, Jamie Garwood, for coming on and giving his thoughts on the current situation as we head into free agency and the draft. But that's it for another podcast. Um, Thank you very much for listening, as always. Remember to rate, review and subscribe. Apologies, there wasn't one in the last couple of weeks, but you know, I don't want to just do it for the sake of do it, especially in the off season. There's, you know, we're all talking about the same thing and just don't want to be regurgitating opinions from others and pretending that they're my own sort of thing. So, but apologies, it's always good to, you know, keep it going week on week and, but things get in the way sometimes and I just don't want to, I don't want to give you guys absolute nonsense just for the sake of it. So apologies for that, but yeah, thanks very much for listening. Rate, review and subscribe if you want to catch us on Twitter or Instagram. It's at Pat's Chat UK. If you want to speak to myself at any point, it's at Matt Inkster. Jake will be back eventually once he's um, calmed down with work and other projects that he's doing at the moment. Um, but if you want to check him out, it's at Jake Paul Design. He's doing some cool design collab things at weekends and things. He's got another one dropping um, today or tomorrow or depending on, or yesterday, depending on when you listen to this. But he's got one dropping over the weekend as well. But yeah, that's it, folks. Um, Nothing else to add for now. Until next week, hopefully. Um, We'll see how it goes. But yeah, fingers crossed for next week. I'm back in your ear holes again. So until then, we'll speak soon.